Hey folks, Keith here. Just a reminder that today's episode is part of our mini-series, Whiteboard Innovators. If you have questions about what this series is about and who OPG, the host, is, you can go back and listen to the episode that Olivia and I recorded where we discussed this mini-series, how it came about, and why she's involved in it. I'm really excited to share the podcast with Olivia for this episode and the other ones in this mini-series. I hope you enjoy it. Take care. Hello, and welcome back to Whiteboard Innovators. At Bain, we take our most innovative, wild, and out there ideas to the whiteboard, where we translate them from a disruptive concept into a workable reality. Today, we invite you to grab a marker and join us as we sketch out what's happening at the forefront of innovation and entrepreneurship at Bain & Company. Today, we have a very special guest, Sarah Day Burton. Sarah is an expert partner based in our San Francisco office, as well as the co-founder of Bain's innovation and design practice. For those who aren't familiar, IND was founded almost 10 years ago in order to transform the way that our clients think about innovation. The practice uses interdisciplinary teams, startup expertise, agile methodologies, and an almost maniacal focus on the customer experience in order to truly drive incredible client results. I'm looking forward to digging in and learning more during our conversation today. So Sarah, welcome. Thank you, Olivia. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So before we get into innovation and design, this amazing practice that you helped build at Bain, let's back up for a second. You started your career as an AC at Bain and spent three years at the firm before you left in order to join Gap. Can you talk us through the thought process behind that transition? Well, first of all, I loved retail. So I was excited to experience what it's like to be a client. And so I jumped into the industry that I was most passionate about. I wanted an operating role where I could embrace the mechanics and learn the mechanics of how to run a business. And what were the most valuable tools or lessons that you feel like you learned at Gap that maybe were not a part of your skill set for the three years that you were at Bain? I appreciate the introduction and the maniacal focus on customer experience. That is absolutely in my DNA. And in retail, that's pretty much your training and your experience as an employee. And so in the many years I was at The Gap, developed a true appreciation for adopting the lens of our customers and non-customers and a real passion for understanding their needs and expect, and frankly, creating a business that meets their expectations. That's phenomenal. And we're, we're definitely going to come back again to this focus on customer experience because we've chatted offline and I know it's a huge part, a huge part of your work here at Bain. Yes. It sort of threads my career. I'm curious, you started as an AC in uh, 1995. How do you think that Bain's attitude towards innovation has changed since you first started? Bain is is an innovative company and and we pride ourselves on our spirit of entrepreneurialism. And I actually do think it's ingrained in our DNA from our founding years. I think we've accelerated our mission and our commitment to adopting innovative practices, to embracing new types of talent and expertise and really promoting innovation in the value that we bring to our clients. Yeah. As a C1 looking up, it feels like a really exciting time to be at the firm. It feels like there's all these things swirling and happening around innovation. 
there are folks who are kind of fired up and excited about it. And there's the support from, from the highest levels around, this is something we really care about. Well, absolutely. Like we don't want to be disrupted. We, we want to be a disruptor ourselves. Innovation is not an event at Bain. It's embedded in the way we think and work. You spent the last 15 years of your career at Bain, and we sort of started to touch on this, but a large portion of that you spent founding and growing Bain's innovation and design practice. And in the past, I've heard you describe that experience as akin to growing a mini startup within Bain. So I'm curious, what was hard and what was easy about growing that practice? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it was a mini startup. We started, there were maybe four or five founding players in establishing innovation and design. And at that time, we were very, very focused on digital product. And we've since expanded the breadth of services that we offer. What was easy was the client demand was there and the pull and our commitment to creating new types of value for our clients. And then what was hard Running a startup in an, in an incumbent is an interesting experience. And at some points you feel like it's an uphill battle to just get traction and awareness. And we were just, we made a lot of decisions every day and took a lot of risks. In some respects, that was a wonderful opportunity for learning and growth. And in other respects, I look back and I think, oh, that was really hard making all those decisions and knowing that we would make mistakes just like any good startup. But luckily our mistakes were outnumbered by our successes. That's really interesting. I'm curious, you know, you said when you were starting innovation and design that there was this enormous client need for it. And I can imagine that's only grown in the last decade. Do you often have to convince clients that innovation matters or do people sort of already know that this is something that they should have a handle on, but just aren't quite sure where to start? It's interesting. Every client is different and every client is at a different, frankly, life stage in their commitment to innovation and transformation. I think in most cases, we don't have to negotiate. We have some convincing to do because of the sheer proliferation of initiatives and priorities. But I think the majority of clients appreciate the importance of innovation. It's exciting to hear. So something we've talked about before, but I think our, our listeners would be really interested in is design thinking. You're certified in design thinking. For the uninitiated, can you describe what that is and how it fits into the innovation design practices? Work. It's essentially a methodology and a set of principles. And we deeply believe in the value of grounding the solutioning in the customer or the user. So it puts the human at the center of the problem that we are trying to solve. Human-centered design is critical for informing and allowing exploration. And so fundamental is the ability to open the aperture and think with a divergent lens where you are literally exploring the possibilities of how to solve a problem. And you're very open to nuance. Human-centered design then forces convergence 
And that requires focus on the highest value solution that appeals to the user or the employee or the customer who's at the center of the problem. The methodology is dynamic. So the experience of working with human-centered design is very dynamic as you are constantly opening and closing the aperture. Ultimately, you are looking for product market fit where you've created a solution that fits or frankly exceeds the expectations and unmet needs of the target customer or user. It's a really different and engaging methodology I know that you're talking about divergent thinking. I know that one of the ways that you encourage that is by putting together these really interdisciplinary, diverse teams. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Our teams in innovation and design are very textured. Our teams are composed of multiple expert functions. We house product design And those product designers are deep, deeply steeped in human-centered design and service design and really demonstrate empathy for the human and the user and can really unearth what needs are currently not being met in the marketplace. We have full-stack engineers from software engineers to data engineers, but we have people who are driving the technology and working within the feasibility constraints of building the solution. And then we have product management teams who oversee both the product and digital experience we are creating and the strategy and sort of path to value. And then we have venture ecosystem specialists who have their pulse, frankly, on the disruptive activity on venture funding pathways and are critical to informing the solution process because we have to build for something that is differentiated and will put our clients at the forefront of innovation. Let's take this from the abstract to the tangible for our listeners. Can you give us an example or a couple of examples of ways that the IND practice group has created transformative innovation for clients? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there we talk about innovation as incremental, transformative, and then new to company. So really, there are different degrees to which we are making the commitment with our clients to innovation. Innovation can be as simple as optimizing a set of features that expedite the journey or pathway to the cart online. And we've done work in telco and utilities to just help the customer pay their bill in a seamless, easy fashion. When we think about transformative innovation, sort of the second degree, it would be an example would be introducing e-commerce, an entirely new channel. COVID really accelerated and put pressure on many of our clients to make their direct-to-consumer or direct-to-business e-commerce experience much, much stronger and, frankly, much more important. The growth of that channel became much more important in their mix. And then new to company is an interesting path for innovation. And, And our clients, we see more and more demand for helping our clients set up an incubator which is essentially a machine for ideation 
and opportunity capture that goes beyond their core business. And so we worked, for example, with a payments company and specifically ended up with solutions that were outside of their core payments business to help them become disruptors and avoid being disrupted in pathways like procurement and supply chain, completely separate from their core business. Let's say hypothetically that you're a C1 based out of the Boston office, interested in these sorts of things. What is the day-to-day experience like for a member of an innovation and design practice team? Our teams are fluid. We work in hybrid with other expert functions or general strategists. The team experience is, well, I think we have a lot of fun. We move quickly and we have a very intentional path to practical testing and solutioning. And so we are literally crafting, designing technical solutions together. Yeah. And you guys work in Agile. Yeah, we exclusively work in Agile. Many of the clients we work with work in Waterfall. And when we work in Agile and bring new methods and ceremonies into the experience of working together, our clients are often encouraged by how quickly we can move. So Agile works really, really well as a methodology for working together with our clients in a co-creative way. What I'm hearing from you is in order to be a successful part of an innovation and design team, you really have to be willing and open-minded to work with folks from all different backgrounds, right? So you have the different experts who are on the team with you. You're also working really closely with the client, probably different types of clients. Maybe you're even going back to your days at Gap, going to the floor of the retail store and talking with the folks who are working at the front desk there, right? So you have to be really open-minded and willing to integrate a bunch of different perspectives into the products you're creating. Yes, that's right. So yeah, the experience demands some open-mindedness. It demands that people are comfortable moving at speed and it definitely celebrates multiplicity of expertise as a core principle to solving our most important clients' needs. Yeah, and it comes back to something you said earlier which is empathy, right? Ability to understand, I guess, not just your customer and your user, but also the people around you and their perspectives. You've got me fired up. I'm <laughs> sure that we've got our listeners fired up. How can current Bainies and Bain alums get involved in the innovation and design practice? We love participants in our, our mission as we scale and become this global powerhouse. Current Bainies can rotate in to our practice and serve on a hybrid team. They can also ask staffing to work in an opportunity where they're we're working together with innovation and design, just given the move and support towards embracing expertise for our clients. So there's actually quite a few ways. And IND is not the only expert function. There are a lot of ways of being exposed to different groups and different talent sets as a Bainey that, again, you just have to have the right conversations with your staffing to express interest. And then I think Bain alum, I mean, we need you. Many Bain alum come back and we re-recruit. I'm a big fan of Boomerang. 
recruiting. They can follow our success and our growth online. And frankly, they can contribute by just staying in touch. And we are in touch with many of you, given that you are doing and working wonders in the product world and the digital world outside of Bain. We're reaching the end of our time together. I'm very sad about it. I'm so <laughs> I'm sad too. This is fun. Our final question here. So we like to to finish all of our episodes. At Bain, we're all about true north. What do you think is your true north that has guided you throughout your career? My true north is I have a deep passion for people. I love to empower the teams I work with. And I believe deeply that every single person I work with at Bain adds tremendous value to my day-to-day learning experiences and our client experiences. I also so appreciate the opportunity to work with clients and their customers or users. I am a constant, persistent promoter of listening and learning and iterating on their user customers' input and insights. So fundamentally, everything I do is grounded in a deep belief that we need to listen to the humans that we work or service. Well, I can certainly attest to the fact that Sarah is an incredible promoter of people. And if any of you listening ever get the chance to work with her, jump on it. That's very kind, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to chat today. I learned so much. I am so fired up. Can't wait to come and try my hand at a rotation in the IND practice, hopefully sometime.